night. We're so glad you guys are here. Let's stand as we enter into worship. Here we 
Dodge, let's greet each other around you. COVID friendly, elbow bumps, fist bumps. Let's make each other feel welcome this morning. Isaiah took off, but he broke a string. He's gonna get another one. <laughs> All right, as we're, as we're finding our seats, uh, you guys can have a seat. Um, man, this is the last service of the year. It's crazy, or of the semester. Um, and we're excited to worship with you guys. Um, I've been really excited about this service, not because it's our last one, but because we've, we've got some really cool um, things planned. We get to partake in both sacraments uh, this evening. We're gonna... Remember the Lord in, in communion, and uh, we're gonna get to celebrate in baptism as well. And on top of that, we're gonna get to hear a couple of testimonies uh, I'm really excited for. Uh, and then we're gonna celebrate at the end. We've got uh, ice cream and, and whatnot. So, um, and it's, it's gonna be a fun evening, but I, I know that there's probably a good bit of us that are coming in a little heavier than normal after the news of our friend and brother Spencer passing this past Thursday. And so um, that's not lost on us. Um, our hearts break over that. And it's okay to feel grief and it's okay to mourn over that passing. We miss it. And that is the world that we live in right now, a broken world, a broken, sinful world. And it was broken because of sin. But as believers, we have hope. God will restore, there will be a new heavens, a new earth. And all of this, this hurt and this pain and this loss that we experience will be no more. And so that is what we can have hope in as believers in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to hear me say, it is okay to have sorrow and to grieve that loss. Let's do that together. But we have hope as believers. If you want um, to process more or just um, spend some time in prayer, we'll have staff in the back booth at any, any point in the service. Feel free to take advantage of that or at the end of the service too, come find one of us. Uh, we'd love to pray with you and, and process more if you'd like that. Um, but we're gonna continue to worship because we have a king that is worthy of our praise, worthy of our honor. And so before we do that, Let's read this verse in Romans 8. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Let's stand. Let's continue to worship this evening.
his blood on the cross today, his sinless life, his atoning works. We have hope, we have restoration through him, God. And that is, that is the embrace that we can run into tonight and every day. So God, we're thankful for the gift of salvation through Christ and Christ in his name, amen. Can y'all grab a seat? Um, so those door cameras come in really handy for accidents, and uh, one of those accidents occurred to one of our staff members, our staff team this past week, our very own Elise McCarthy uh, at her house, and it was captured uh, on video, and her husband was kind enough to uh, send it to me, um, and also to make a slow motion version, which we'll see if we want to watch that or not. So uh, we don't have any sound to this. It's just a straight up door camera. It's only eight seconds long. You can really see the emotion in her face, especially the slow motion. Let's just watch this together. Watch the face. A little bit of shame. Now, let's watch it again, and I want to I ask you, what do you, think is go, what do you think the emotion is right there? And then right here, and we can go slow motion, I think, to get us there because you, you got to really zoom in on the face right when she looks up. I think it's a mixture of shame and embarrassment, but there's nobody there to see it. Her husband sent me this. Uh, keep that in mind. Now she's down, and here's the shot. It's this look of like a little bit of embarrassment, total shame. I don't know why you feel shame. And then now it turns to anger. I've watched this too many times. Now we move to the anger, and there she goes. Elise, give her a hand. She's right here. She's bright red right now. Um, why were you trying to carry that gigantic plant? You're like really red right now. Um, are you okay? Uh, here's how I want to begin. Uh, I'm Garland. I haven't met you. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. Uh, I want you to turn your neighbor, answer this question. What is your favorite holiday? Turn. Discuss. favorite holiday let's see um I'm, i heard a lot immediately a lot of christmas so raise your hand if you were christmas christmas is your favorite holiday all right that's that's a that's a pretty good amount what about thanksgiving it's some excitement for thanksgiving yes yes okay we can do this by uh, how loud you are each each holiday how loud you are they do at concerts okay what about like uh, halloween <laughs> i would expect the halloween crowd to be louder um Valentine's Day? Yeah! <laughs> you don't even have a girlfriend sitting next to you. You have no reason to say that right now. Like, you're just sitting by, sitting, I mean, I get that if she's right there. You got it. Oh, yeah! But it's you and a bunch of dudes sitting up here. All right. Um, St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> we just outed the people in the room. We need to talk later about that. You need to check out Celebrate Recovery Baby on Friday night. Um, what else? Uh, what else are we? Oh yeah, Fourth of July. Some of you are voting like multiple times now. Anything else I'm missing? The Christians, the Christians in the room. Easter. Um, what else am I missing? Anything else? 
What, Groundhog's Day? Groundhog's Day? Is that even a holiday? Do we count that? Okay. Um, what was that? Oh, New Year's, New Year's Eve's kind of a big deal. Yeah, just you two, apparently. Nobody, nobody cares about New Year's Eve. All right, all right, I don't know about that. Um, if you think about it, every single culture, and ours is no different, cultures mark their lives by certain rituals, by certain traditions, by certain yearly things that we participate in every single year. Think about like the holidays that we're talking about now, your birthday. We have certain uh, secular holidays, certain religious holidays, and those things, they really do mark our lives. They mark time for us, these rituals, these traditions. And, and we, all, we all experience it. Like every year when we get closer to Christmas and the red cups come out and you start to think about Thanksgiving and start to think about, I got a friend that every single year I, have, I buy him a pumpkin spice latte the first day it comes out because he's just obsessive with them. And they're only here for a short window. And we mark our life by these certain rituals, these certain traditions. Like for me, like when I get to August, like late August, early September, I'll literally look at my wife and she does not care. And I'm like, it smells like football season. We're here. And uh, I get really excited for that time of the year. And a lot of people, we mark uh, our year by how these certain year-by-year rituals come about. And this, because, this means it's tailgating time, or maybe it's go to the game with the same people, a group of friends or people in your family. And we marked spring just, just this past few months and spring break. And then we have Easter, and the, the season begins to change, and the trees begin to bloom, and things, the allergies come back, and all that stuff happens. And these rituals they help contribute the way that we mark our lives. And the funny thing is, it's, it's, it's not just the religious people, it's also we have the, the secular calendar that we mark. Oh, I forgot about this one. I want to ask you, we have a yearly tradition here. How many of you like Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue? I love it. But I used to have a motorcycle, and so I, I, some of y'all right now are like, he's a little bit cooler now. Some of you are like, no, that's not cool at all. How many of you hate Bikes Blues? And you're getting out of here. Like, I, I, would, I should have said the rest of you. Uh, we mark, even as a secular culture, we, we use these year-by-year rituals. These are things that help create the narrative of who we are as a people, both in a religious context and in a non-religious context. We have these yearly things that we commemorate, these yearly things that help to, to, to put in our brains and in our hearts a particular story or a particular narrative that, help, that narrative that helps us orient who we are. And it's not just these rituals, these certain things that mark our calendar. It's also certain objects, certain things, certain artifacts. Like a really good example for us is the flag. Like the flag has certain meaning to us in this country. If you're from this country, and every country's got a flag and a story that corresponds to it. We have these certain songs that we sing that match up. Have you ever thought about the Star Spangled Banner? Like the words of the Star Spangled Banner, it's a wartime song about how our freedom and bravery will last just like our flag will last, no matter what the enemy may be. And these things help to shape the narrative of who we are. And that's true of modern culture. It's true of religious cultures, non-religious cultures. It's true of ancient cultures. And one of the things that we're going to see as we finish and conclude our Esther series, we've been in a four-week series on Esther, if you haven't been joining us the last few weeks, we're going to see that the story of Esther, it has a really important function, a really important purpose. The story of Esther, the story, the story that we've been looking at for these last three weeks, and here's the story in a nutshell. 
God's people find themselves in exile, under foreign occupation, under foreign rule. And they've got no rights. They've got nothing they can stand on. It looks like God has abandoned them and they're all alone. And the story of Esther invites the reader in. It invites the audience in to see that Yahweh, their God, is with them. No matter how bleak it looks, and no matter how dark it may look, Yahweh is with them. And things keep working for their good. And it's subtle, and it's awesome, and I have loved diving into the story. But that story was meant to be read every single year. The final few chapters are dedicated to make memorializing this story. We see it right here in chapter 9. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation, by every family, and in every province, and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. The days of Purim, the word in Hebrew for lots, and when you cast lots or dice, is pure. And the E makes it plural. The days of Purim, the feast of Purim, the lots were cast by the Persian government to decide the day to commit genocide and kill all the Jews. And yet God worked that out for their deliverance. And they took this dice that was thrown as the instrument of their death, and they turned it into a festival to remember that God brought about life. Isn't that cool? It's a big stick it to you. You thought this was going to bring death, but God brought about life. And we're going to remember this for the rest of our generations. It's really, really cool. And what we're going to see is the people of Israel, they're obsessed with marking time by God's faithfulness. You don't have to turn there, but let's just look at how they did this as a culture. And I'm not going to spend much time up here. I'm only going to be up for about, about 12 minutes because what we want to do is we want to go back to singing. and We're going we're to do communion tonight. We're going to see baptism tonight. We want to remember God's faithfulness just like the Israelites did. They're obsessed with remembering how God has been good to them in the past. They can trust him in the present and live for him in the future. Look at the story in the Exodus. Remember the Exodus, the famous, let my people go, Prince of Egypt. Some of you've seen that. Uh, let my people go. The people of Israel yet again are in, in, they're in slavery, in bondage to a powerful foreign enemy. You start to see a pattern here, right? This time the Egyptians, and God supernaturally delivers them out. And he does so, preserving them behind the blood of the lamb. It was called the Passover. But look at what they're told to do even that night in Exodus 24, or Exodus 12. They're told, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, hey, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them. This is the Passover sacrifice to Yahweh. He passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared us. God was faithful to deliver us from the darkness of that oppression, and he made us free. But it wasn't just these, these festivals. And by the way, the, the, the Passover became a yearly festival calendar by which they celebrated God's faithfulness in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. They're told, man, seven times a year, get together and remember. Get together and celebrate. Mark your calendar by these events. Never forget them year after year after year. You, you can see that the way that their calendar is oriented around these festivals, but it wasn't just the festivals. It wasn't just these calendar dates. There were also symbols or markers that the Israelites used to say, just like our flag, they could point to and go, that has meaning. 
I'll give you a couple of examples. In Joshua chapter 4, the people of Israel yet again find themselves with a body of water they can't cross, needing God to intervene, or they fear they're going to die. Lord, you've got to come through for us again. And they stand on the shores of the Jordan River at flood stays going, we have no hope here. How do we do this? And yet God supernaturally yet again parts the water. And they're told to do something weird. Hey, when you walk through the Jordan River, have one person from each of the tribes pick up one of these huge river rocks and carry them to the other side. And look at what we're told that they're told to do. Look down at the middle of verse 5. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them, the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Don't forget God's faithfulness. There's still more. This is just a really fascinating example in 1 Samuel. It's an army that's attacking the Israelites. God brings them deliverance from the army. And Samuel the prophet, he builds an altar and he names it Ebenezer. And the Hebrew word for stone is Eben, and the Hebrew word for help is Etzer. Let's name this God helps. When everything looks tragically hopeless, God helps. Ebenezer. And by the way, when you sing that hymn, Come thou fount of every blessing. The second verse, here I raise. I'm building my Ebenezer. We say Ebenezer, it's Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. What are you saying when you sing that song? You're saying, God, you're, or you're supposed to be saying this. We don't, nobody knows what that means. We just sing it. Here I, you do that in worship. I do it too. Uh, they have this, what you're supposed to be doing is rem- filling your mind when you sing that of all the ways that God has been faithful and almost metaphorically building up this stone of help. This is where God has helped. And that's why the very next line is, hither by your help, thy help, I've come. That's what you're singing when you sing those words, that God has helped. And now we see the place that this Esther story will fit in their calendar. They're told, on the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar, as the time when the Jews got relief, from their enemies. It's the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents. This is Christmas for them. They should be remembered and observed in every generation forever. The Israelites were obsessed with remembering God's faithfulness. I mean, festival after festival after festival and feasting and joy and presents. Why? Why are they this obsessed? Think of the context. So often, their circumstances and our circumstances, your circumstances, your feelings, your emotions, the situation around you might make it seem that God is a thousand miles away, he doesn't care for you, he's not involved in your life, he's abandoned you, he's nowhere to be seen. I'm sure there's probably some of you since Thursday that have been wondering, how can God be in this? And it's been a long year of this. 
And maybe there's some of you that came in here tonight and it's a doubt that's lingering for you or it's an anxiety or a fear or it's something that's happened to you in your life and you came in here tonight and you're going, I think that God's, my circumstances tell me God's forever away. The Jews find themselves languishing generation after generation under foreign oppression. They're refugees. They're barely scraping by. They're just hoping to survive. Everything about their circumstances says God isn't here. And if, or if, he's, if he does exist, he's a long way away. He sure doesn't seem to care. And here they would tell this story every single year. This subtle story, the book of Esther. And remember we said a few weeks ago, the point, one of the purpose statements, this was our working purpose statement for this book is this. Even when it looks like God's not with you, he remains faithful to his promise. He's faithful. He's good. He's close. He hasn't abandoned us. And that should result in a life of courage and conviction. We say, we're going to bet it all on him. Come whatever may come. Because he's faithful. We've seen it before. Look, we, every year we mark this. We come every week on the Sabbath and we sing it. He's faithful. And so I'm going to sell out for him. You can see why this would be needed. Now, what I find so interesting about this idea of God's faithfulness in the Bible, it's all over the place in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God was faithful to his promise. You know what that means? When you read your New Testament, God is faithful to his promise. Romans 8, 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's faithful to that promise. You can take it to the bank. We know that in all things, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Some of you need to hear that right now. He's faithful. Take it to the bank. Philippians chapter 4, we present our anxieties to him Paul comes along and says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, it'll guard, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take it to the bank. He's faithful. When Jesus says, one day I will return and I'm gonna make all things to right, he's faithful. How do we know? How do we know? This is how we close. How do we know? The ultimate display of the faithfulness of God is seen on the cross. The night before Jesus was betrayed, he took an ancient yearly celebration called the Passover. We already looked at it. And that story about how God had delivered them through the blood of the lamb and all those stories about God's faithfulness, Jesus, on the night before he's betrayed, he looked at his followers and he said, they're all pointing to me. I, I am God's redemption and rescue story. I am God's faithfulness coming in the flesh that you can see and know that I'm with you and I love you. And on the cross, he absorbed, his body is crushed and his blood is poured out, taking the best swing of sin. And in his resurrection, the decisive verdict over sin and death has been declared. Those of you that are in Christ in the room, that's whose team you're on. And he's faithful. So here's how we're gonna 
the rest of the night's gonna be a little different. Uh, we're gonna, we've carved out time to sing and to hear stories of God's faithfulness and then to sing some more and hear stories about God's faithfulness and to sing some more and to baptism. And we wanna give you space to be able to do uh, just that. Uh, I saw that most, a lot of you didn't grab the communion stuff on the way in. Here's how we're gonna do it. Uh, we're making an audible right here. Um, I'm gonna give you just this next song to take communion. I want you to pray. And I want you to, if you're a follower of Jesus, and hold the bread, his body broken for you, and the cup, his blood poured out for you, and remind yourself, he's faithful, he's good. And then take them on your own. If you don't have any, there's some kind of on the, along the walls or in the back back there, you can go grab one. The rest of the time we have in here is just a time of worship and celebration and remembering of his faithfulness. Let's pray. God, all the promises of God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, they are yes in Jesus. They are amen. They come true in Jesus. That's our king. And that king has won the victory over sin and death. And even if we experience difficulty or pain or anxiety, or even if we're in a moment of just absolute celebration and joy, it is all coming back to you and your faithfulness. We can run there. And so God, right now, as we look back on this year, this semester, as we look back on your broken body and your poured out blood, as we look back on you intersecting your grace with our individual lives, mine, 20 years ago when I was going into 10th grade, we remember your goodness and your grace. We remind ourselves of it here and now. We sing about it. We celebrate your broken body and your poured out blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us. You're our king. And to you be the glory. Take communion on your own and let's sing.
It is my privilege to get to introduce my good friend, Joel Calhoun, uh, who's a senior, and uh, he just got a job in Portland, so he's going to be leaving us soon. But he wants to share a little bit about um, God's faithfulness and, and, and specifically in um, what college community has been like and how he's seen God through that. So Joel, give, give Joel a hand, you guys. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, looking out here, I'm just really filled with joy, just like seeing so many faces of familiar relationships and um, just community that I've had throughout college. Um, and I feel really blessed to be, you know, talking about my experience with that here at the U of A. Um, as Burton said, my name is Joel, and I'm a graduating senior here. And, um, you know, I just wanted to use this time to talk about sort of my experience with community and fellowship. Um, honestly, when I came into the U of A, I sort of felt like these deeper um, relationships um, that I had in high school would sort of just naturally become, you know, a part of my life, that they would just flourish, that there would just sort of be a little effort needed um, to have those same relationships that I've had previously. But as college went on, that was definitely not the case. Um, it was pretty difficult, and I found myself just really craving um, deeper relationships with accountability and Christian brothers um, and sisters. And so honestly, you know, what I want to share with you all tonight is that the Lord is faithful um, in community. If you're struggling and looking for um, community, I've, I've felt so blessed. Um, in the past two years, what I really just went to is prayer. Um, I think that sometimes we find, we think that like, you know, these relationships um, that other people might have, you just like find it. Like we use that terminology like, oh, you find your people. And that might be the case for some people, but I think that more often than not, um, community is forged, it's not found. And I think that more often than not, that looks like prayer. Um, and so just in my life and in my story at U of A, um, you know, I just began praying for friendships. Um, and I, 
it sort of is funny. Like, you, you find yourself just like, Lord, I would love just like one good friend. Um, and uh, sometimes we're even for, for forgetful for like the things that we prayed for. Um, but senior year, weirdly enough, the Lord has just been so faithful um, through years of praying just for like deeper community and fellowship. Um, and I had, I had this one friend, Johnny, who like, if you guys, if any of you know me and him, like, it's, it's like uncanny how similar we are. And it's just like one of those things that like you see the Lord's faithfulness and like how uh, just when, when we bring these things to the Lord in prayer, he is more than faithful to provide and he's faithful to provide in ways that we don't even know to ask. Um, not only that, but this past year, I got to have this community group that, you know, we ended up calling The Forge and I had, um, you know, an awesome co-leader, uh, Cody Lane over here and um, just like had this incredible um, transparency and vulnerability and a desire for deeper um, cultivating relationships and um, just felt so incredibly blessed by that and overwhelmed with gratefulness to God just for like his faithfulness to provide community. And so my encouragement to you, if you're you're here and you know, you've struggled with friendships and deeper um, relationships is that community is more often than not forged. It's not just found. Um, and more often than not, that looks like prayer. So I'd encourage you, you know, be bold and being intentional with your relationships here because um, it is such a blessing to be in this ministry, but also, um, you know, use that time to pray, um, dig into prayer. And I found that like in that time of prayer, like not only was the Lord faithful to provide community, but it brought me so much closer to him and just deepened my capacity to love others. Um, so that's really what I wanted to share tonight. I'm really grateful for all of you and for just the experience that I've had here. It seriously does go by so fast. It's been a huge blessing, so thank you.
never
I know we enjoyed hearing from Joel tonight, and we want to introduce another senior tonight that's going to share a little bit more about her story. Um, Emma Robinson, if you want to come up on stage, sorry, the mic difficulty. Um, Emma is a senior. She's graduating this year, and um, I've had the honor of getting to know her over the last year or so, um, and she's actually going back to going to Austin for grad school after this, um, but we would just, her story has been really impactful for me. I know it's going to be really impactful for you to just see exactly what we're talking about tonight with God's faithfulness, and so Emma, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. Oh, cool. Okay, so I'm going to read off my phone because public speaking makes me super nervous. So, um, <laughs> um, before coming to college, um, I was in a very numb and stagnant place in my relationship with Christ. Um, I had become a Christian early on in my life, and the Lord allowed me and my family to go through some incredibly difficult times. Um, my dad is a recovering alcoholic. One of my siblings struggles with is in currently in rehab. My dad is flatlined about three times. My parents got divorced. My siblings and I had to move out of the house for a bit. And there were a lot of other hard things that we've been through. But going through all of these things from such an early age strengthened my relationship with the Lord. But I grew numb towards people and shut everything else out. There was a point in my life um, where I didn't cry for about seven years. <laughs> because I just, I didn't know how to show my emotions and was terrified of that. Um, I told myself when I got to college that I would hop around until I found one that fit, but my first week of school, a friend of mine who was a senior brought me to fellowship and I never ended up checking out anywhere else. Um, I didn't know it yet, but the Lord had already begun to work in ways that I couldn't even begin to imagine. The woman that has discipled me for the past four years, um, that I met before coming to Arkansas, also attended fellowship. She took me in as part of her family and shared her entire life with me. And I ended up getting to go to her wedding. She taught me how to love people like Christ and taught me how to trust people again. From the very beginning of college, the Lord brought me friends that poured into my life in more ways than I could ever begin to put into words. They modeled for me the absolute faithfulness of the Lord. They loved and cared for me at my lowest points and celebrated my accomplishments with me. In college um, is where I learned what true authentic vulnerability looks like and fully felt, felt like I was beginning to understand unconditional love and what unconditional love felt and looked like. As time and time again, the Lord continued to show me his faithfulness I didn't deserve it, when I felt as though I was drowning, and also when I was happy, so happy that I'd burst into tears. God has moved massively within my family as my dad has been sober for four years now. He's healed relationships that I thought were unmendable and brought family members to him. I finally began to realize how precious even the worst moments of my life were. As the Lord reveals his characters in those moments and reminds you that he's in control above all else. And those times is when the Lord moves the most, and I will forever be grateful. Will forever be grateful for those for each and every single one of the memories and people that the Lord has allowed to enter my life. 
Stand, please stand with us. Baptism it is an amazing picture of the words that we're singing uh, right now. That the Lord is worthy of our praise, that he is worthy of our lives to follow after him, that he's changed our lives by his goodness and his grace. And what baptism is, is a symbol of that story intersecting our individual lives. And it's a symbol, just like a wedding ring is, it's a symbol that I am the Lord's, that Jesus has bought me with his grace, I'm following him for the rest of my days. And so in light of that, we get to celebrate two life change stories through baptism tonight. Sierra, come on down. You're first. Give her a hand as she comes down in here. And Elise is gonna share. Yeah, so I have a little bit of uh, Sierra's testimony here. We met a couple weeks ago and um, just got to talk with her and learn more about her life and her decision to be baptized. And so I'm gonna read a little bit of her story here. She said, I've been blessed with a strong Christian family who showed me at a very young age how important faith is to have. Over the years, my relationship with Christ has grown and I have been able to experience his love and comfort in various stages of life. Coming to college was a difficult transition for me. I was away from everyone and everything I knew. My faith was the only thing that got me through that time full of fear and anxiety. I know God has a plan for me and he continues to prove that to me time and time again. And I'm ready to take the next step by being baptized as I want to publicly share the way the Lord has changed my life over the years and allow him to work my life in a way that I can honor him. Your family of faith, family, and these people gathered here today that Jesus is the king of your life and you want to follow him the rest of your days. It's my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in the world. And Abby, come on in. This is her friend. This is really special. Come on in. Is it good? good, good. It's like boiling. Um, yeah. Elise. All right, so I'm gonna share a little bit of Abby's story as well. 
Um, Abby said, for as long as I can remember, going to church has been a ritual in my household. I was raised in a strong Christian family and found Christ at a young age. I've always followed his word and have seen him work my life throughout my years. I'm forever grateful to say that I have had a strong relationship with God the majority of my life. Coming to college away from my hometown was a very scary experience and pushed me to really connect with Christ on a deeper level. I didn't have my parents and my family pushing me to go to church every week. Instead, it was on me to find a church home. I started coming to fellowship when I was a freshman and instantly felt like it was home away from home. It helped me to expand my knowledge and make me grow my faith. Throughout my college years here in Fayetteville, times have gotten tough and things have been stressful, but I've always tried to remember that everything happens for reason and I've relied on God to keep me going. This will be my fourth year attending fellowship and I feel that baptism is the next step that God is pushing me towards. I'm excited to see what God will do in this next season of my life. Was it your testimony from your family? faith, brothers and sisters here, that Jesus is your king and you will follow him the rest of your life. We'll celebrate with her. It's my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raise to walk in the news.
one more song before we do that. Let's look at this verse together. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word of God to all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Hear this. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever.
feet. You have no rival. There's no equal. There's no other name that competes. Only the name of Jesus has secured the victory over sin and death and by the power of the resurrection has brought about the new life that changes everything. The evil that permeates this world, you've begun to push it back and one day when you return, we're gonna see your holiness. And we say now and we'll say then, there's no rival and no equal to you. We wanna live in light of that. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, grab a seat real fast. A couple of announcements on, before we head out and get. We got Burton's ice cream here tonight, so it's on the house. It's on us. So we'd love to just to bless you with that as you head into finals week for you college students. Uh, have fun with that. A um, couple things. First is this. This is our final service of the semester. We'll be right back here uh, the Sunday before school starts. For those of you that are going to be kind of still around and in college. Uh, if you, would, if you would indulge me this, if you are a senior in the room and you're graduating, uh, if, you're, if you're a fourth year but you're gonna still be going, you can just hang for a minute, but if you're a sen- senior and you're, and you're graduating, would you stand so we can just say congratulations to you? I can't see anything out there, yeah. Give them a hand. Uh, you're gonna get a lot of congratulations over these next few weeks. Uh, it's, been a, it's been an honor and a joy to get to pastor y'all. And we're not gonna, we don't card at the door on your way in. So like, if you can still come here, if you'd like to come and still worship here on Sunday nights. Uh, the second thing is this. Um, we have this summer our 412 Institute which is our uh, summer discipleship program where we hope to invest in those of you that are gonna be around, not at camp or at Kaleo or working somewhere or going back home. If you're gonna be here, let me encourage you to, to take join us in 412. Take this 412 Institute. It's really, really fun. It's a great community. We get to look at the Bible. And so what, what's holding you back? If you're gonna be around here, uh, you can uh, hit that QR code and we'll put it back up here in a little bit. Um, so you can, you can click on that, click on that, whatever it would be, take a picture of that. Um, so that's 412 Institute. Um, the, the final thing, uh, as we kind of dismiss, I need you to indulge me on this for just a few minutes. Um, so we believe as a college ministry, our statement has been, uh, it's kind of our mission statement as a college ministry, is our desire is to see a movement of the gospel in our city and in our day that changes the world. That's what we are aiming for. That's why you're here. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what we aim to see happen, is a movement of the gospel in our city and in our day, that changes the world. And we, we actually really believe that. And in light of that, we're, we're gonna be sending some of our staff that are on this team uh, across the world. And so uh, McCarthy's come up here, please. Uh, if y'all don't know them, this is Kyle and Elise. Uh, they are on staff here, both of them. Um, so they're, they're gonna be uh, moving to Japan uh, here in about six months and we're kind of rolling off our staff team. Uh, so this will be likely their final I gotta walk over here. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I, I wanna do it. Okay, I can do it. You're gonna see an emotionally distant person have emotion in real time, all right? So get ready for that. Um, so just, just all, I, I, I'm gonna speak to them for a moment. And I want to, so this is me handling my emotions. See, I'm not very good at it. Um, it's called public affirmation for them. At least I give you a really hard time. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna talk to y'all. Uh, I give you a hard time, and it's because you're, you're like a sister. I don't have a sister. If I did, I wish it was like you. And so um, you, 
you've done an incredible job on our staff and you've made a huge impact with a lot of people. I'm not gonna look at you in this room and the way you disciple people and love them. Uh, you're an amazing pastor. And that's what I wanna say. You're an amazing pastor. And so uh, we're gonna miss having you on our team. I'm gonna miss working with you every day. Those of you that don't know, Kyle, this is, Kyle, we've worked together for, for 13 years and uh, he does a lot of things around here that you probably don't even know. He does a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that looks good on the screen or looks good in the foyer, a lot of our media resourcing, he runs that, but he's so much more than that. He's pastored hundreds of people in our church and he disciples people and he's a missionary and uh, you're also, I, I don't trust anyone in this world more than you and you're one of my best friends. Uh, I'm gonna really, really miss being able to just process life with you. And you're not, you're not dying, you're just moving to Japan. Um, but but I hope not, yeah. So just, I want y'all to know that we really believe in our mission statement. We wanna see a movement of the gospel changes the world. And that's sometimes hard, but that's because we believe it. And we believe Jesus is the king and he's the king that changes this city and it can change Tokyo and the nation of Japan. It's, it's the one of the largest people groups in the world that does not have the gospel. It's the most unreached. And so um, may this be maybe inspiration to you. Um, if, if you want to, and maybe you're graduating, you're not gonna be back in the semester, spring semester, this would be a time to get to see them. Uh, we know you've got finals, some of you. Uh, I, I don't like doing what I'm doing right now, so I'm getting out of here. Uh, uh, we have ice cream, put the flavors up. Let's change the subject. Uh, we got flavors <laughs> out there. Um, they're on the house. You can hang out as long as you'd like. Some say bye to the McCarthy's. Hey, we love y'all. We have services on Sunday morning all summer. I'm teaching Mother's Day next week here at this camp, so bring your mom. Have a good summer, everybody. We love y'all. God bless you. Love you guys.